Welcome to the Misfit Stars podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hello, listeners. Hi, Shannon. Hi, honey. How are you doing, sweetheart? I'm A-OK, thanks. Good. So, everybody, we are going to be doing a different kind of Misfit Stars podcast today. Misfit, Misfit Stars special episode. A very special... There you go, yeah. Uh, a- this week on a very special Misfit Stars. That's it, that's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like we're on Family Ties right now. Oh, so man. Good. Or yeah. Blossom. That was, in oh. my mind, this week on a very special after-school episode of Blossom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This sure. is like a very special after-school episode of Misfit Stars. I like it. Assuming you're listening to this after-school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Otherwise, it's just the Misfit Stars podcast. Yeah, yeah, But definitely. we hope it'll still be special for you. So what's special about it, Jamie? We're going to do... A completely different format. We're not going to do all the boilerplate up front. We're not going to do the normal segments. We're not doing announcements. We're not doing how we're feeling. We're not doing the good news machine. We're not doing adventures. Uh, We're not doing the second half. None of it. And here's why. Uh, So I alluded on last week's podcast to this kind of transformative experience I had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, y'all might remember, uh, you know, just to recap quickly, I have had an emotional summer. The world <laughs> has been in turmoil. Yeah. Uh, we've had some stuff happening in our personal lives, uh, you know, most notably the uh, death by his own hand of our very dear friend Scott, a misfit star. Um, you know, my inner life has been turbulent as a result of just everything happening in the world, yeah. everything happening in our in our personal yeah. lives. The uncertainty of this time, the stress of all of it. I've really, in an empathic way, taken a lot of that on board. And I had a pretty rough few months. And I was very open about that on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there just for some reason a couple of weeks ago uh, came like this moment where I just for whatever reason... I guess internally it had enough of it and thought of a tool to use to to maybe try to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I did that and it worked remarkably well. Uh, and I ended up, so this, so what I did first, uh, what I did was I, I did a really in-depth personal inventory mm-hmm. and then I did some very intentional long form journaling in which I just first did some automatic writing, what Shannon's teacher used to call uh, a stream of consciousness. Yeah. Stream of consciousness writing, right? We're first to just like, just let your brain spill out onto the page without judging it or editing it and just, just write as fast as you can. But then I went back and did this iterative process of just like reading and editing and reading and editing, getting to know this piece of work better. And really, cause like the first time you do anything creative, be it songwriting, be it, uh, you know, for my work, maybe mixing a song for somebody or writing something. There is for sure a first burst of it, I think, for most people that is just kind of aspirational or in the direction of where you want to go, but it's not going to end up being something you keep, Uh you know? It's a drafting process, right? Like the first thing that comes out of your mouth rarely, you know, in a longer form kind of thing anyway, is is the form that it's going to end up being in. There's an editing process. That's true for songwriting. It's true for mixing. It's true for writing. And, you know, what I was interested in in this process Mm -hmm was using the editing process to get at the truth of what was going on inside me. Because maybe when it, when you're doing your initial sort of stream of consciousness writing, uh, you might be writing stuff that you that comes to your mind, but it 
it might not be actually the center of the truth of, of what's actually going on. Or like, it could be misdiagnosing the yeah, problem okay. or misrepresenting how I feel about it yeah. or like eliding causality from one thing to another, mm-hmm. you know? And just like lines can be blurry when, when for me, when I'm writing stuff like this sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just get it out on paper, but then I'll read it back and I'll be like, well, that's not exactly true. Yeah. I see where I was going with that, but I could, it's really, I didn't mean to say this, I meant to say this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and honestly, that sounds pretentious. I, I, I think I was just feeling some self pity. I'm going to delete that. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like really refining it yeah. and getting to the point where I can read through it and believe in every single word as a representation of mm. of what I am. And I always write it to just like an, to somebody to an imagined reader. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, just because that helps me yeah. because I feel like if I phrase it as though like I am talking to someone yeah. then it'll kind of maybe stand up better because if I phrase it like an explanation and I read it back and it reads like a true explanation mm-hmm. it resonates within me mm-hmm. you know as to how I'm feeling yeah. then I believe it's true yeah I get you know? that hey I've got a question for you. you yeah you said at the beginning of this whole thing that you did a an intentional uh Self inventory, mm-hmm. and I know personal what, inventory. Pers- excuse me, I misspoke. I know what you mean by that. Um, I know th- what you mean by that, based in recovery work. But those listening might not exactly understand what that phrase means to you. What does it mean to do a personal inventory? Yeah, sure. So uh, very simply, it's just the idea that you want to get out of your brain and heart and onto the page. It's, it's similar to the other thing I was, I was talking about, mm-hmm. but it's much more bullet pointy, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and it tends to take the form, it's, it's like a, there's an order you do it in. At least there's an order I've sort of become habituated to, yeah. to doing it in. Where first I just like note the things that I'm not feeling good about. Like stuff, yeah. I've stuff that, I just, I can put my finger on and go, I'm mad about this. I'm upset about this. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good. I feel uncertainty about something. I don't even know what it is, but it's somewhere in this area. Just anywhere, anything that I can put my finger on that feels inside me, anything but good. Got it. You know? Like you want things to feel good and anything that's not feeling good, it's like sometimes it's really possible uh, for for any human, not just me, I think, just to let stuff go and you just kind of push it to the back and it just like lingers in some dusty corner of your mind, but it kind of festers in there. Yeah. Kind of like a splinter under your skin that you didn't quite get out and just gets infected. And all of a sudden <laughs> it's like, why am I hurting? Why, why am I inflamed? It's like, why didn't I never got that thing fully out? And all of a sudden you need you know? a tetanus shot. And all of a sudden yeah. you need a tetanus <laughs> shot in this metaphor. Yeah. And so, you know... It's exhuming all that stuff. It's getting all that stuff out of the corners of your mind. It's really actively going looking for it. Yeah. It's, and that's what they, another term that they use for it uh, is spiritual house cleaning. Yeah. And it's exactly for that reason. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same way that you might do a spring cleaning once a year. Yeah. And you might like really like move all the furniture and get into all the corners that you don't get into on every normal cleaning. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh, there's a huge dust kitty back there. And maybe that's why I've been sneezing. And you also know? $20. Yeah. <laughs> Under the couch. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean. And and you know, so it's it's that idea of really intentionally going and looking for the stuff inside of you that is just maybe you've tucked it away and it just has never been working quite right or yeah. you're not feeling good about it and you haven't resolved it. Yeah. All that unresolved stuff and getting it onto paper 
so that you can then really look at it and figure out what I can figure out what my part is in it. Like mm-hmm. if there's anything, can, is, like, first of all, just look at the situation, like just from the serenity prayer, like perspective, really like, yeah. is this something that I can control or not? Yeah. And if it is something I can't control, then that's great because I don't need to worry about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you know, I may not feel good about it, but mm-hmm. also I have released myself of the need to try to control it because it's, not something I can control. Right. And that's so I can let go, you know? Yeah. But if it is something that's within my power to control, i.e. something within or to do with me yeah. personally, yeah. you know, then it's really great to have it there because I can be like, okay, here's this thing that's bothering me and it does appear to be within my control. So what can I do about right. it? Right. All of a sudden you have made some definition around your agency and how you're feeling. Yeah. And so that stuff, that was kind of the first part of the process was just that sort of like making that list. You know, and once I had that list and figured mm-hmm. out what what on it was mine to address, yeah, then I could th- then that sort of led naturally into that subsequent long form journaling, where it's like, okay, here's all the stuff that's on my mind. Let's just start writing about this mm-hmm. and see what comes out of me when I do that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and a bunch of stuff came out of me when I did it because inevitably when I do that, I'll just write and write and write and I'll start realizing there are connections between things and I'll start explicating and exploring those connections. Yeah. I wrote probably 2,000 words, wow, uh-huh. you know? And then I edited and edited and refined and really got to the truth of what I was feeling about all those things yeah. and what the connections were for me. Yeah. And I did that until I didn't feel that, that there was anything more to dig up yeah. or to deal with or to process. Mm-hmm. And then I was done. Mm-hmm. And that was a nifty thing Mm -hmm. because then it wasn't inside me anymore. Right. It was outside of me. Yeah. So before you did this, can you take yourself in a time machine back a couple of weeks and describe generally how you were feeling? Like just not not specifically in the bullet points that you mentioned, but just generally what your experience of living was like before you did this? It was unstable. Okay. Is I guess how I would characterize it in a single word. It was uh, it was turbulent. Uh, I've used that word to describe it before, and I think it's accurate. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but it was almost more chaotic than turbulent because turbulence implies that there's agitation, but it's kind of constant. Yeah. But chaotic maybe would be a better way to describe it because like I would be feeling really angsty and unsettled and itchy in my own skin, and then I would not, mm. and then I would again, but like not on any schedule or with any like periodicity that I could identify. Right. It was just kind of like not really any cause and effect. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like something good would happen and I would feel agitated. <laughs> and something bad would happen. And I would feel calm and happy. And like everything was out of sync huh. and just didn't really make much sense. And I felt kind of disconnected a little bit from the world around me as a result. Mm. Like that that causality between the external world and my internal world felt very disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so it made me feel out of sync with the world around me in that way. Mm-hmm. It was it was hard, you know? I, I felt anxious for sure a good mm-hmm. bit of the time. Uh, I definitely had some periods of low-grade depression yeah. where I just felt, and I think that that was just resultant from me not feeling like I could shake this turbulence inside of me, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And because that's just kind of a lightly depressing feeling. So I felt lightly depressed. Yeah. And it wasn't major depression and it wasn't persistent, mm-hmm. you know? It was intermittent and it was low grade, but it was definitely bad. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. And then uh, on the flip side, on the other side of this exercise that you did, Mm -hmm. can you describe how you felt immediately after and maybe also like the day or days after? Yeah. So immediately after I felt, I felt immediate relief. Did you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like as I was doing it, I felt myself becoming unburdened. Wow. It's almost as though every word that I wrote down and got out of me weighed like a 10th of an ounce. (laughs) And by the end of the exercise, I had like 70 pounds off my shoulders. Wow. I felt so much later, like I felt taller, you know? (laughs) Uh, And then I also felt proud Hmm. um, because I was actually, I had actually used my tools successfully. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, you know, (laughs) I wish I had really thought to do this kind of intentional tool using before. But, you know, sometimes you're just not ready. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to wait for things to happen on their own schedule. This is definitely one of those for me, you know. But I was proud that I did use my tools in a really good way. That was great. Yeah. And subsequently, uh, since then, I have just felt uh, lighthearted, I guess Mm. would be a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've had just normal momentary ups and downs because I am a human living life and sometimes something will happen that annoys me or that, or that is sad or mm-hmm. that makes me worry. Mm-hmm. You know, it is objectively continuing to be a worrying time. That's sure. not, that's, that is unchanged. Right. What has changed is my feeling of being bound by it and attached to it. Ah, uh, uh-huh. You know, I feel detached, but in a healthy and positive way. Yeah. Like I am not entangled with things that are happening in the world, but more that I am just coexisting by them. Yeah. You know, like I'm being more of a flexible reed in the river again. Yeah. You know, and the water might be, you know, moving gently or it might be torrential, but either way, I'm just flexibly moving with it. Yeah. As opposed to trying to be a rigid reed and protect myself and getting buffeted by these forces. I, I don't feel that anymore. I don't feel like I am tied as much to all the stuff that's happening mm. around me and therefore as susceptible to being swayed and thrown around by it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I've noticed that just yeah. from my outside perspective, observing you as I live with you in this house. <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's, and it's, and it's nice for me to observe you in a, in a more stable and happy place. Like you've seemed happy. Good. You know, it's like, it's really lovely it's really lovely to wake up in the morning and say good morning to you mm-hmm. and for you to have like a smile on your face and that you're like glad it's morning. Cause mm. there was, there was a period of time in there where I would say good morning to you. And you know, it was a, it was a, a coin toss mm. how you might be feeling about the day. I was waking you know? up worried a lot yeah. of days. I know, but it, I'm saying it's, it, this is not about my experience. It's mm-hmm. about, it's, it's about, uh, how I am glad for you well, that this has you. been your experience yeah. since since taking hold of your tools and working them like you did. Well, thanks. So you offered to just read the result of your personal inventory and journaling. Uh, you've posted this on social media as well, but uh, you know, so it's 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 already public. But you offered to read it to us all here, and then maybe talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, and I think that I'm looking forward to that. Great. So people, this is something, this is kind of the results of of that journaling that I did, that editing process, that writing and editing. Uh, And like Shannon mentioned, I posted this, uh, I posted this in 
the places where I post things to communicate with people. So our Misfit Stars social network, yeah. you know, uh, I also posted it on Facebook because we're connected with a lot of very dear people to us there. Uh, and I also posted it on my personal website because sometimes I will do that. And I wanted to read it for you here. Uh, just for anybody who's not connected with us in a place where you might have seen this, you know, written out yeah. so that you could hear it from me here. Uh, and the reason I do this is because, and the, re the reason I share it generally and the reason I'm reading it here today is because uh, it's sobriety based. Mm -hmm. You know, inevitably for me in my life, it, uh, a lot of stuff for me comes back to the idea of sobriety. And sobriety doesn't just mean not using the stuff that I used to use to fill that hole inside of me, you know, alcohol, mm. drugs for me, you know, mm -hmm. um, like weird sex stuff. Uh, you know, some people use food, some people use uh, gambling. I mean, relationships, That's that was Shannon's thing. She mm -hmm. went to CODA, which is Codependence Anonymous. She's talked about that on this podcast. Yeah. Um, I always like to say that she was even more screwed up than me because she didn't even need alcohol to be screwed up. She just, <laughs> she just used other people. That's weird. That's like some next level messed up, really. Scratch an alcoholic and you get a codependent. Yep, so, yeah. it's right under the surface. Well, yeah, because like we try to, you know, that's a common it's, human thing, right? We try to manipulate people to get responses we want to make us feel better about ourselves yeah. if we're not living in a healthy way. Yeah, you know? so sobriety, what you're saying is doesn't necessarily refer, it doesn't refer only to not using a substance or a thing to fill the hole. Yeah. Sobriety is kind of more of a state of mind. Yeah, sobriety is like the mental state that hopefully you can transition into where you have done the work inside yourself on the stuff that was going wrong inside you yeah. so that you no longer need to use those unhealthy coping mechanisms, yeah. but instead you've replaced them with healthy tools right. that you can use to, in a healthy way, just on a day-to-day -day basis, manage and deal with and cope with life's ups and downs. Yeah. So like another way to say this then is also like um, sobriety is not, for an alcoholic, sobriety is not just not drinking. Sobriety is uh, actively participating in spiritual maintenance and uh, and doing the this kind of internal work yeah. to bring you to and keep you in a place mentally, spiritually, psychologically where you don't need to drink. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, if you can get yourself to a place where you're just feeling good about things, then you don't need to self-medicate. Exactly. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that I share this with people, stuff like this that I've written, that I've gotten out of the inside of me, is that I have found in my experience that when I share my experience around this stuff, inevitably a certain number of people will relate to it, yeah. will maybe resonate with it, mm -hmm. And will reach out to me to continue the conversation mm -hmm. or maybe to ask me questions or maybe to ask me for help in their own journey with sobriety. Yeah. Uh, you or know. if they don't need your help, recognize, oh, you know what? I haven't talked to my sponsor in a couple of weeks. I need yeah. to call them. Or just encouragement to get back on whatever journey they know they need to be on for themselves. Oh, absolutely. Even if it doesn't involve you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I share this stuff. Yeah. It's just really a way, you know, for my experience to be of service to other people. Yeah. Because that, after all, is like the 12th step of the 12 steps yeah. is 
Be of service to other people. Share your experience and your strength and your hope so that other people might benefit from it and hopefully have their lives be a little better. And that's why I share this stuff with people. So, Jimmy, will you share with us your experience, strength, and hope? Okay, I'll do that. Okay. All right, people. Here is the thing that I uh, wrote when I did that long-form journaling a couple weeks ago. I'm 17 years sober. And have been, in fact, for a couple of months. My sober birthday was June 20th, 2021. And I have some thoughts. People who have been connected online with me for a while know that usually I write a longer reflection on or right around my sober anniversary. And it's very much been on my mind to do so most days since the end of June. But I've kept putting it off. It never felt like quite the right time. We have a little time off this week, and part of what I'm doing with my time is I'm doing some intentional inside work to unpack some emotional baggage that I think I've been carrying, to do a personal inventory, and to get a sense of where my head is at. It's not a simple topic. Someone asked me just today how I was doing, typically a straightforward question, and I found myself taken aback at how complicated it felt. On the merits, Shannon and I are unbelievably fortunate. We're healthy, we're safe, We're remarkably stable financially for not having been able to tour for two years now, and we have work we love. So that's on one hand, so much to be grateful for. On the other hand, I've been dealing with a fair amount of anxiety and agitation and some occasional low-grade depression. The signals my antennae are picking up from the world feel uniformly scary, and I think the empath in me has been really taking that on board. Also, We're at the center of a fairly large community of freaked out people, and we view our work through a lens of service, and there have been times where that's felt pretty overwhelming. My compassion fatigue has progressed into empathy fatigue, which feels unfamiliar, uncharitable, and uncomfortable. Contemplating another winter indoors with no friends, doing our lonely part to help keep ICU beds available, even as a sizable portion of the population has apparently decided the pandemic is over, feels both bleak and infuriating. I haven't seen my family in a year and a half, and I miss them terribly. Also, I love hanging out with Shannon, and we love our little house, and we're most likely going to be okay in terms of our ongoing stability and ability to remain here. So I know objectively and with a reasonable degree of confidence that in terms of basics, we should hopefully be fine, knock on wood. And indeed, I think that's my essential tension in this time, an existential feeling standoff between abstract feelings and empirical objectivity. Or to frame it a different way, I can't always intellectualize what at times comes down to pure, raw emotion and instinct. I am by nature optimistic. I'm also, like many of you, often completely overwhelmed and pretty far past the end of my rope. Which feeling wins out is seemingly random, not necessarily correlated to any specific triggers and can change on a dime. My inner life feels turbulent a lot of the time lately. The primary reason for it not having felt ever quite like the right time to make a sobriety post over these last couple months is that, in a lot of ways, writing these posts feels like a me exercise. I can generally connect through a sobriety post with other people who might be experiencing sobriety-related issues, and that's wonderful, and it's why I do it. But regardless, it always feels like an at least partially inward-looking exercise. And in this time, I'm finding that I'm not interested in me. I'm much more interested in us. What do I mean by us? 
in the way I'm thinking about it, I mean the interwoven fabric of humanity, me and all of you, community perhaps, or society, people in relationship with one another, both friends and strangers, both individually and in the aggregate. And looking through that lens, thinking about what us feels like, things feel fraught, tense, insular. That social fabric feels threadbare and frayed, like it might run or tear at any slight provocation. Social media is feeling assaultive, performative, and manicured, more so even than usual. I feel distrustful of people in this time who are like, I'm doing great, and I see a whole lot of people in my stories trying to prove that to me, or perhaps, more likely, to themselves. And it all just feels like a mirage. I can see it, but when I try to grasp it, I find my hands empty. We've been experiencing friends dying from diseases of despair. A dear friend ended his life a couple months ago, violently. Another friend drank himself to death last month. His heart gave out on him at the ER. People are giving up here and there. It's hard to take. It makes me wonder what else is coming. And through all of this, I've remained sober for another year. It feels improbable. Has my sobriety been perfect over this last year? No, it has not. Frankly, it's often felt far from it. I'm not always remembering all of my tools, and the ones I do happen to pick up, I'm sometimes using poorly. They say that sobriety is an exercise in progress, not perfection, and I am feeling that imperfection keenly. The days that I feel I've done right are frequently in the minority. There's been lots of, well, tomorrow's another day in my life this year. But on the other hand, what is right anyway? I wish I felt more peaceful and less generally stressed out. Sure, it would be wonderful to feel more lighthearted. But also, a whole lot of things are really messed up in the world at the moment. And feeling freaked out seems like a very sensible, reasonable, accurate response. I might not be feeling great a lot of the time, but at least I'm acknowledging and honoring my feelings and giving myself a lot of grace. I might not be doing a lot that feels right, but I think I'm doing okay with that part, which is maybe the most important part even if it often doesn't feel particularly good. I spent all of 2020 and the first part of 2021 very online and very available in a very intentional way. Our work is, after all, service work, and this is a time for that. And then something kind of snapped a few months ago, and I let the pendulum swing very far in the other direction. I haven't been on social media much. I've mostly just been spending my online time in our private Misfit Stars social network. I thought this was self-care, and maybe it was. But also, I'm connected with a ton of people online, and I've missed them. So I'm back, and it's my intention to be more around. We'll see how it goes. This year has been super rough for people with sobriety and mental wellness issues. If you're among them, I want you to know that I see you, and I'm here for you, and I'm one of you. More than ever, our world needs the sensitive people. And we sensitive people need to take care of one another. I'm not a mental wellness professional, but if you need someone to talk with, you can message me. I'm always happy to hear from people who are struggling, and I'm pretty good at getting people connected with resources if you need help with that. And most importantly, talking with one another, sharing the parts of our stories that are harder to talk about, maybe not so manicured or pretty, that's how we not only lighten our loads, 
but also do personal healing and build productive, healthy community. I know there are still a lot of people out there who are looking for more meaningful connections. If that's you, then let's talk. I could use that too. With love, Jamie. Hmm. I I read it, you read it to me when you finished writing it. Mm -hmm. And I read it online. Mm -hmm. And then you read it now again. Mm -hmm. And I just really appreciate seeing you Mm. in this. Oh, thanks, sweetie. And you know, as an addendum to anyone listening who's like, actually, I would like to talk with you. (laughs) um, That's, first of all, I want you to know that's okay. And like I said, that's why I do this, to connect with people. Uh, You can message me at jamie at misfitstars.com anytime now or anytime in the future, uh, you know, really to talk about anything. I am available to our people. It's a big part of what we do. And I really enjoy it. I really like connecting with people. So if you have something that you feel like you need someone safe to share with, uh, I can be that person. I'm happy to be that person. I can't fix things for you, you know. Uh, th- that's something that you'll have to do. But I can for sure be a resource for you in that, you know. Uh, and if you need help getting pointed in a particular direction, not quite sure how to get started fixing something that's gone off the rails for you, you know, I've got a lot of experience with that. And I could probably help point you in a direction that could be at least a starting point. Mm. So, you know, I just want to put that out there. Please do feel like you are welcome to connect with me. I know that uh, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about in this post, you know, uh, these diseases of despair that people experience, the essential lie that they tell us is that you shouldn't tell anyone else about this. They'll, mm. think, they'll think you're a freak. You don't want to share this. You just, you just want to deal with this. Keep it inside. Yeah. And that's your sickness talking. That, that's, that's the sickness trying to propagate itself like a virus. Yeah. That's how it metastasizes inside of you. That's how it gets bigger and worse until it, you can't deal with it anymore. It tells you the lie that you're alone and nobody wants to hear yeah. about these problems. And it keeps you from the connection that is what you actually need. Yeah. You know, there's this saying that uh, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community. I think that's really true. Yeah. I, th- I think it was connection, actually. The opposite of... Uh, Could be. It was, it was, Could it was, be. Someone did a TED Talk with that, with that title. The opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're right about that. There is a TED Talk called that. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. fascinating concept. And mm-hmm. I, I completely understand... What what the what they're saying with that, you know? Yeah. Like we do need each other and we can be there for each other when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable. You've done that here. You've you've modeled what it is to open up the little window in your heart and show the parts that aren't manicured and polished, you know? Mm. Like, hey, here I've been struggling and here's why and here's how. Mm-hmm. You know? Um And like you have reported that as soon as you did that, as soon as you showed yourself even Mm -hmm. before even hearing back from a single person Mm -hmm. about this, it made you feel better. Yes, it did. It absolutely did. And so, you know, to anyone who's listening to this, feeling like you have stuff inside you that's not going right, that you haven't shared with anybody and that you're scared to share, just know that for a lot of us and probably odds are for you too, Just the act of being raw and honest and vulnerable 
really honest, not like not like holding parts back, not editing it, but just like really being straightforward with another human being about where you're at, mm. that alone can really lighten your load. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It can really start to unburden you of how you're feeling mm-hmm. because we just want to be seen humans. Mm-hmm. We're social creatures. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can indulge that part of ourselves, like the healthier we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. I was going to ask you, how did it feel to share? How, how does it feel? Does it feel scary to you to open yourself up? Oh, no. I've been doing this for so long. <laughs> but it did when I was newer at it. Yeah. So I, I still very much relate to that feeling, you know. It's, it's a muscle that you can build, mm-hmm. you know. You can practice anything and get good at it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the point of practicing is to get something to the point where it's almost muscle memory, where you just, mm-hmm. you've done it before and you know how it feels. And so it's not unusual and it's not scary. I mean, that's if you're practicing guitar or if you're practicing basketball. Yeah, if you're at the free throw line and you've done this 5,000 times before you get to the free throw line and your muscles just know what to do. Yeah, absolutely. And in the exact same way, like if I am about to share something pretty vulnerable and personal, you know, I know how that's going to feel. And so it isn't scary. Mm -hmm. But I remember like the first many times that I had to do something like that, it did feel scary, Mm -hmm. you know? So I respect that. Yeah, for sure. What, um, it's a kind of a two-part or two-sided question. When you realized, oh, I can do something about the way I'm feeling here and I'm going to do, I'm going to whip out these tools and do this personal inventory, mm-hmm. you know, what was it that reminded you that you could actually do something about it? Or how did you get to the point of realizing that you could do something about this? And in the future... What will be the signs telling you it's time for me to do this again? Man, great question. And I wish it were that simple. Mm -hmm. I wish that there were like an aha moment that I had or that it was like a specific trigger where it's like, oh, if I just remember this thing next time, then I can do this sooner or quicker. Sadly, that wasn't my experience. Mm -hmm. It was really just kind of a bolt from the clear blue (laughs) where all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I got to do some writing now. <laughs> okay. That's really all it was. Yeah. I really wish that I had a much better answer for you because I would love to pass on some wisdom to people who are listening mm. for like how to know that and like how to know when to use your introspection tools. I mean, really probably just the answer, the right answer would be to use your introspection tools just more. Interesting. I was going to ask about that. Like, I was going to ask another question, which is that, you know, you found such relief in this exercise. Do you think that that you would benefit from just putting yourself on a schedule even or doing it in, in a more routine kind of way so that it was there for you when you needed it, even if you hadn't realized yet that you needed it? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, actually, I guess probably the trigger is feeling bad. Uh-huh. You know, to answer your first question, in context of your second question, yeah, you know, that probably should have been my thing. Like the feeling bad for three months, mm-hmm. that probably should have, because, you know, there was, it wasn't constantly feeling bad, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a fog of depression. There were good days and bad days, good moments and bad moments. Yeah. But 
you know, and it's it's hard too to judge that because sometimes that's just a, a normal part of the human of course experience. Yeah, but probably after you know who knows how long you know seven weeks, ten weeks, twelve. I don't know. At some point, probably, hopefully in the future, if I'm like, you know what, I've been feeling pretty chaotic and turbulent for like the better part of two months. Maybe hopefully by then I will have thought to do some journaling, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, or some inventorying. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if for some people it would be beneficial to to just schedule time with themselves for this kind of activity though too. You know, like, yeah. like I've been, you know, doing an intentional gratitude practice for the last couple of months Me now. too. And you too, yeah. I mean, mine's for much longer. That's right. You've been doing it for longer with a group that you've been involved in doing yeah. it together. But you know, like I, the, a lot of days don't feel like doing my gratitude list. But you that's know? the days when you need it. But that's exactly it. Because it so refocuses you. I, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm wondering if this kind of like writing activity or maybe for somebody else it's meditation or it's, you know, taking a solo walk and intentionally thinking about this kind of stuff or whatever it is, you know, that 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 um, sort of like keeps the machine oiled, <laughs> you know, as opposed to getting a pl- getting to a place where the machine is breaking down and then realizing you need to take it in for a repair. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's a really really good point. And you know, interestingly, I'm not suggesting for you that you should do that because it's really not my business at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm just wondering if for some people that would, you know, that would be an interesting. Well, approach. and you know, I was going to say that, you know, interestingly, like I do a more ten-step flavored inventory frequently, like most mm-hmm, days. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, for those of people who don't know. 10th step invent flavor inventory. Can you fill that in a little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. People? So, you know, again, you know, I got sober in a 12-step program and all the 12 steps are is just a method for, you know, just digging inside and doing that personal house cleaning and, you know, getting down on paper how you're feeling and what your part in it is and figuring out what you can do to purge yourself of any negative feelings or attachments that you're feeling around those situations, yeah. you know, and then you move forward unencumbered. Uh, but the 10th, 11th and and 12th steps are basically just a little cycle that you can kind of do. If you were to look at the steps like a flow chart, like where it has like a little thing written in a square, then an arrow that points to the next square. Steps like one through 10 just would be like on top of each other with a little arrow pointing from like one to two, two to three, all the way down to 10. But then 10 into 11, 11 into 12, and then 12 would have one of those little arrows that goes back up and points back at 10. Yes. And then you can just do those in a loop. And those are what's known as the maintenance steps because you just kind of keep doing those. And, uh, you know, step 11 is, you know, uh, it, it's it's inner mindfulness. They contextualize it as prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. Those words can feel fraught to people, like people who have negative experiences with religion might not like the idea of the word prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and pe- you know, meditation is a more universally accepted concept, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but, you know, it's that idea of, you know, Prayer is where you ask the question and meditation is where you look for, listen for the answer. That idea sure. of just like mindfulness and just like calming your mind and waiting for the right thoughts to come yeah. in, you know, however you want to phrase it. Step 12 is, you know, I referred to that earlier, uh, just being of service to other people, uh, quote unquote, carrying the message, which again <laughs> can sound a little heavy handed. <laughs> the 12 steps were written by a bunch of Christians, but they didn't, they made it specifically not be a Christian program because they very smartly 
recognize that like if they made it be a Christian program, it would turn a bunch of people off, and sure. that's not what they wanted. Yeah. And so you know, like but there's some the message. There's, there's some, some Christiany language in there, sure. just because that's who they were as people. But don't yeah. take it personally. You know what I mean? It just means that like if I have learned something about this and I can share it with someone else. That's yeah. all that means, you yeah. know? So that's 11 and 12. 10 is the personal inventory, but it's like a more daily, like a quick cleanse, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's like taking the car through the automated car wash once a week, but then once a year you go to get detailed and that's more like the fourth step. And that's <laughs> and that's more like the deep personal inventory yeah. that I did here. Yeah. That was going in to get the car detailed, yeah. you know? But this is just the, like, going through the automatic car wash, you know, the little $6 quick cleanse <laughs> and what all you do really is just you can do it mentally if you've mm-hmm. had a rough day it can be helpful to just like type it into a text document mm-hmm. and then delete it but the basic idea is you just reflect upon the day that you've had or mm-hmm. are having and you you know just try to be mindful of whether there's anything that you're feeling negatively about yeah and if there is just try to identify what it is yeah and then like if it's something you can or can't control if it's something you can't control then really intentionally just let go of it because you can't control it. So why mm-hmm. bother thinking about mm-hmm. it? You know, that's the universe is to deal with. And if it is something that's more like on your side of the street, then just figure out what to do about it. Yeah. Maybe sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? The reason I feel upset about this is because I was a dick and I need to apologize to Shannon <laughs> because I should not have snapped at her, you know? And that kind of thing can happen in life. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you're feeling angsty about something and you snap at somebody you love and then like you're mad and the energy's weird and like three hours later you're like why is the energy weird oh it's because I snapped at Shannon and I need to apologize and then like I make a heartfelt apology and Shannon's like thank you sweetie that means a lot and then everything's better and I feel good yeah and she feels good too we both feel better yeah or sometimes it's just like something I I need to think about more or like make peace with yeah or you know it could just be internal work like that but if you don't identify it it can just be some weird unnamed monster under the bed type of Mm -hmm. feeling but as soon as you name it it's no longer a monster under the bed it's like a monster in front of you and like usually those aren't as scary they're like oh you're just like a little monster and I can deal with you yeah so the the 10th step flavor you are doing on a regular basis yeah that's the point of it It's it's a tool that you bring out most days and I do that's just 10, 11, 12 are just like part of my wallpaper at this point. It's just how I live my life. But this this intentional exercise that you did a couple weeks ago, it was just a more in-depth, longer version of that, essentially. It's the it's the yearly deep cleaning. It's the spring cleaning. Got it. It's like the yep. emotional spring cleaning. Yeah. It's that taking your car to get detailed once a year yeah. thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you just forget or just overlook it or you kind of know, but you're like, you just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to deal with a dirty car. I can't deal with that right now. And then like mm-hmm. two months later, it's like, oh, you know what? The car's dirty. I really need to do this. Yeah. And you should have done it two months ago and you kind of realize it then. That's what this was for me. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of like driving around in a dirty car. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's when I was asking that question or a little bit ago we were talking, I'm like I, I mentioned just sort of as, as an aside, it's none of my business how you do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to like circle back to that because mm-hmm. like here we are, we are a married couple. We are totally invested in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100%. We are married to each other. We are business partners. Mm. We are creative partners. Mm -hmm. We are partners in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of our recovery and sobriety, um, none of that is my business when it comes to yours. True. And none of your, none of my sobriety is your business. Mm -mm. Um, Even though we do live with the effects of each other's sobriety or yeah. not so sobriety, not it's so sober sobriety. So true. You know, but like, you know, if, um, it, I just, 
I just want to express gratitude for the fact that you are my partner and that you mm. are a person who takes your own sobriety seriously and, and oh, takes yeah. good care of it because it's not anything that I could help you with. You know, it, right. is, it is your work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really grateful. I mean, I'm first of all happy for you that you have these tools to mm-hmm. deal with the times when you're feeling like you've got a dirty car, yeah. <laughs> you know, or you're driving around in a dirty car. Um, but also, um, I'm really, I'm really grateful that I'm in a marriage where that, where that's characterized by two people who are doing that work for and on themselves. Oh yeah. Same. You know, I like, can't imagine any other way. Well, I mean, I, it's funny. I can't, I can <laughs> because I have lived in relationships like that, Yeah, you know? Uh, I've had three significant relationships in my life. You are the third. Uh, the first one was with my uh, my college girlfriend, Sarah. I talked at length about that relationship on a podcast episode like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were together from the end of our freshman year until we were 26. Mm-hmm. And we grew just kind of apart. Like we weren't meant to be together as a couple. We're actually like really good friends now. Uh, you know, in adulthood, like 25 years later. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't always the way. Like she really needed just not to be in touch with me for about 20 years. But over the last five years, like we've really been kind of redeveloping our relationship. That's just like cool. slowly, you know, but it's yeah. really been rewarding and nice. Um, but, you know, at that time in our lives, like we were just in our like early 20s, like neither of us was really that evolved in that way yet. Like I have met some people who like maybe got sober early or just are like enlightened beings, you know, <laughs> and like understand this stuff in their early 20s. But I was not one of them and neither was she. Yeah. And like we just like just stuff would happen. We just let it fester. Like every little bit of wreckage of every conversation we ever had was littered inside of us somewhere, you know? And eventually we couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Um, And that worked out fine because we weren't supposed to be together, I don't think. But, but, you know, that's how that went. My second relationship uh, with, uh, with Jane... My amazing uh, ex Jane, who whom I've also spoken about on here, um, that straddled sobriety for both of us. So yeah. we started; it was like a little over three year relationship. The first two years, very, very not sober, like yeah. like shepherding one another to the edge of and over the cliff in terms of our addictions, yeah. you know. But then, like, she got sober, and she tricked me into getting sober two weeks later, and then yeah. we were a couple together for a year in sobriety. Yeah. Which is really interesting because like in actually using our tools and like learning what the tools were and learning how to use them, yeah. like we realized in a really kind of conscious way that who we were and what we were looking for at that time in our lives as people just wasn't compatible for one another. Yeah. But we were able to do it in a really like friendly and mutually supportive mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. you know? And that was a real revelation for me this idea that like things don't have to be all dramatic and negative even if they don't work out that like if you use these kind of sobriety tools quote unquote uh properly yeah then like you can work through difficult situations and arrive at the other end of them resolved in an amicable way yeah that was an epiphany. I had no idea. Yeah. I just thought that if something didn't work out, it had to be like drama and thrown dishes. Blown up with dynamite and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm glad for this partnership and mm-hmm. and I'm I'm glad for you that you put yourself through this rigor a few weeks ago. Um and uh 
I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that and I'm happy for you and also happy for us. Same. It worked out <laughs> great for everybody involved, yeah. particularly people inside this house. <laughs> I.e. Yeah. you. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's a tricky boundary because I think that, um, you know, I think that I, I lived a lot of my life with the understanding that people in a partnership like this should be all up in each other's business with this stuff. And really, like, I, I, have, I have the understanding that, like, the stuff that you that you had to deal with was your stuff to deal with. It wasn't mm-hmm. my job to point it out to you. It wasn't my job to like tell you how to deal with it or to tell you what you should do or here you use this tool or, or use this tool. You know, like I, like it's not it's not my business and it's actually not good for me to like get all up in your business mm-hmm. <laughs> like that. You know, um, and that's a it's a strange thing. Like it's 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 strange for me to have that realization now. Like and, there's. And like- to be clear, people, that's not because like she would be crossing a boundary toward me. Like maybe she would a little bit, but like in a couple, sometimes that's okay. It's because of her sobriety, right? And like because her thing is coda, like we were talking about earlier, and it would be codependent of her to try to get me to do something in my life. So for her, that's actually a, mu- a much brighter line. Like yeah. if I were partnered with a different sober person, like I know sober couples where like the the mm. the husband will be to the wife like you need to do an inventory <laughs> and 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 the partner will be like you're right thank you you know what i mean yeah and like that's just part of the dynamic but because shannon's a coda kid like that <laughs> wouldn't be healthy for her to do which is funny you know yeah. what would be healthy for someone else isn't healthy for her we're just all built differently that's true yeah yeah anyway mm-hmm. well thank you for sharing is there anything else that you want to that you want to share with regard to any of this stuff or? I think we've been pretty exhaustive. Okay. I just would like to reiterate if anyone is listening uh, and wants to talk about something with me uh, about this sort of stuff, please just do feel free to message me, jamie at misfitstars.com. And I will uh, receive your message in a loving way and I'll help however I can. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you want to know why I say at the end of every podcast, take care of yourselves and be good to each other? I would love to know why. <laughs> it's all wrapped up in what we were just talking about in terms of like handling our own stuff and not getting too wrapped up in the business of other people's stuff. Mm. When I say take good care of yourselves, like it's your it's your job, listener, to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Like it's really not your job to take care of anyone else. True. I mean, unless you're Almost like, a, like a baby. A, yeah. So you have a baby, you should totally take care of that baby. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like in terms of like spiritual condition and personal maintenance and all that kind of stuff, like that's, that's your job to do for you and not for anyone else. And so I, I, I encourage you to take good care of yourself. Mm. But in terms of your relationship with others, my encouragement for you to be good to each other is just, is just that in your actions toward one another to be good Mm. you know do your part to inject goodness into other people's lives but take care of yourself i love that and do you know why at the end of each podcast i say i love you all why because i love them that's good yeah all right well y'all take good care of yourselves Mm -hmm. be good to each other yeah we love you all (laughs) see you next week see you bye